Welcome to the Artelligence Podcast. I'm Marion Manneker, and we're going to explore the mysteries of the global art market. For 20 years, Rudiger Wang has been quietly playing an important role in the contemporary art market as a middleman. Last week, he launched Wang Contemporary, a website devoted to prints and editioned work. As you'll hear in this interview, Wang views the print market as a great opportunity, a place that he might begin to transform the selling of art globally. We believe after you know, doing quite a lot of research uh, in the online market that uh, the multiple artworks, editions, prints, you know, multiple sculptures uh, are the um, most interesting artworks sell online. Um, the prints have logistically the advantage, they, uh, advantage they're easier to send. They are a more homogeneous uh, product than um, original paintings. Um, and they have a broader acceptance. They are more collectors for the, those in the market. And uh, that's why we decided to start uh, this category. Uh, and we're concentrating, we're focusing on editions by um, blue chip artists, very well-known names like, you know, Alex Katz, Robert Longo, Damon Hurst, Peter Doig, et cetera, et cetera. And I noticed that you're, you're putting an emphasis on being a, um, a place that buys as well as sells. Uh, uh, exactly. You know, we, uh, that's a tradition of being fine art. You know, being fine art was never a broker. So we only offered materials that we owned. Uh, so, um, and we are a trading operation. So we will try also to establish more of a trading operation in the edition business online. We're not only offering editions, but we also buy them back. We uh, quote uh, bids for a number of uh, editions we're interested in. You will find uh, these bids on the website on a separate page. Um, and, and why is that? Why do you pride yourself on not being a broker, uh, only being a, a principal? Um, you know... The, the principal gets 80% of the profit and the broker 20%. And, you know, if you are f uh, financially stable, if you have good financing, uh, if you have a lot of, you know, capital, then, you know, you decide you better go for the 80% than the 20%. So we're not as limited as many of the colleagues regarding liquidity. So that was the main reason why we decided uh, to go in the market as a principal and to own the stuff that uh, uh, that we offer. I can see how that would give you a great deal more latitude um, in how you buy and sell and certainly how you price, but doesn't that, uh, isn't that somewhat limiting in the amount of material you'll be able to present? Um, you would see on our website that we start with an offering of about, you know, 120 editions, uh, different ones. And, uh, you know, that's just a start. It doesn't limit us uh, too much, you know. In the end, we, it's, it's quite a, a lot of work to acquire good artworks. And, you know, if you put so much effort into it and all the logistics involved, you know, um, 
you know, 20% or whatever a broker can make on it is simply not enough. And if you have a capital available, you know, you better go for, you know, buying these. You also can leverage a lot better. You can get a, get better prices if you, um, if you buy bigger blocks of artworks. And, you know, this scaling effect is in our favor. And uh, we did the same or we do the same at Bank Fine Art and traditional um, dealing business. And uh, we were very successful. We are very successful with it. So we transfer it to the additional business as well. Good. Can we talk for a minute about uh, Wang Fine Art and, and sort of the, the sort of traditional art business, how you got into it? Um, I'm originally from a financial business. So I worked in a stock exchange in the A&M, uh, M&A business. Um, but you know, all my life, uh, art was, you know, like a hobby, like a passion for me. And um, was kind of bored about 20 years ago with, with my job. And uh, then, tr- you know, tried out something on the art market. And it worked very well. We occupied uh, a, a space in the art market that was not really existing, at least not here on the continent in Europe. Um, we were working on a kind of wholesale level for middle market material as a supplier to uh, galleries, to other dealers and to auction houses. Uh, It's a B2B operation with very limited costs because we have no sales force. We sell whatever we buy through our network of dealers, galleries and auction houses. So you're you're essentially a market maker uh, in middle market art. Yes, we are. Do, do you do you specialize in particular artists, or or do you sort of open up, uh, you know, uh, when you see uh, a, an artist, do you think there's um, going to be sufficient activity in that you you know seek out to to build a position and be you know fill that market making role? Um, you know, Vic uh, Farnard is less a speculator in artworks, but more dealership. So what we're doing is we, we're analyzing markets and uh, try to find what the market is looking for. Um, the scope is very large, so we deal about 500 artists, and these are all the artists you find in a day sale of Sotheby's Christie's or the other big auction house, so just blue chip artists, um, but from all countries of the world. 20th century, the focus 20th century, of course, we don't go beyond, you know, the early 20th century works. And and your acquisitions are primarily coming from uh, dealers or from individuals who are looking to, to you know, get liquidity quickly? Uh, the majority comes from, uh, from other professionals. Uh, so again, dealers, galleries, and auction houses. Dealers are the ones who need more liquidity than anybody else. Um, you know, private tend to go to auction and auction things off uh, if they're not heavily under pressure, especially in Europe, where, you know, art as an investment is, is not so popular and there's, you know, nobody buys art on credit. Uh, so here in Europe, um, the majority uh, of works uh, we, we acquire are come from professionals, yeah. Uh, but isn't that... I guess I'm curious about uh, the need for that because, uh, uh, you know, we, we hear so much from dealers, at least here uh, in the States, that it's getting harder and harder to build 
inventory, uh, that you know, uh, finding good works that they can afford and hold on to um, is very difficult. And so uh, I would think uh, that would work against someone being in that sort of middle uh, man role, but you seem to have uh, done very nicely uh, for that. Is that a difference in the way the art dealing is done uh, on the continent? Or is it just you know, a change or the growth of the art market in general? You're absolutely right. You know, the market has changed in recent years. Um, so let's say 10, 5, 10 years ago, we could easily buy uh, 1,500, 2,000 artworks of interest for us per year. Um, this is very difficult. You either have to take uh, huge risks uh, and, and, and buy for retail prices, hoping to find somebody who's paying even more. Um, or you run into problems to uh, quickly turn around your material. So it is definitely more difficult. It's the same here in Europe that is in the United States. And this is one of the reasons why we're focusing more on the edition market now, because this is material that you can actually produce, which is not the case. You know, if you're looking for drawings of Picasso or whatever, you, you know, you can only buy what is available. But in the edition market, you know, this is very different. Um, another advantage of this edition market uh, for us is there is no big player in the market. So we don't fight against uh, the Gagosians or Zwirners of the world. Uh, we don't even compete with Sotheby's or Christie's because, you know, they are so much focused on the evening sales or the seven and eight figure uh, artworks that they're happy to cooperate with somebody who, who, who does the work for them. Because, you know, they're still doing these, you know, print auctions and uh, auctions for middle market material, but they don't want to put any effort into them. So an operation like us, which is very flexible and, you know, is, going, is analyzing the market, can be very successful. And uh, uh, what I like about our business is we have very, very few competition. So the, the, the word competition doesn't e exist at Bank Fine Art. We only talk about put uh, people we potentially can collaborate with. There is no real, you know, fighting for material. But this also puts you in touch, instead of doing a business-to-business -business operation, puts you in touch with the end consumer more than your your other business. Exactly. That's, you know, that's a, you know, huge change of our business model after more than 20 years, that we are now, for the first time, going directly to the consumer. Um, we, we, we only can do this because uh, of the internet, you know, getting more and more important in the art market because I have no interest. So it, it doesn't pay for you in the middle market to build a sales force. Uh, it's simply too expensive, but uh, we avoid this by using the internet. Um, we, we did a lot of, uh, you know, we started to sell online a couple of years ago. So it's not, you know, that we're jumping in the pool, not knowing what to expect, uh, but we use other platforms uh, for, we, we call it a pilot project, you know, for three, four years, we, are, we were using um, other platforms for distributing works on the internet. And we found out that for about two years or so, it's getting, it's getting now a serious distribution channel. And then the next question was, what exactly works online. And uh, we, do, we do a lot better with uh, artworks that people can recognize, 
that they have probably seen before at a gallery, in an auction, in a catalog, uh, where you know authenticity is not a big question, um, condition is not an issue because most of the works you know are in perfect condition. They come from the artist, from the printer, not so long ago. So, um, and it's a and it's a business that's easier to scale. You know, then buying a couple of hundred uh, middle market uh, works and trying to find buyers for them, or, or to or to have this um, role of being a broker and expending a lot of energy serving both the consigner and the buyer's uh, needs, uh, which ends up being fairly expensive uh, to staff. Yeah, you know, it's it's a very capital, you know, the bank finance business is very capital intense. Uh, the addition business, which in fact is a spin-off of what we're doing, is less capital intense and it has a, a higher leverage. And we, we strongly believe, and I can already see that, that there is a lot of new territory to win. You know, nobody really to care about this market. Everybody seems to run after, you know, the top pieces they are trying to ride waves of speculative artists and all this, you know, uh, but nobody really seems to have a market strategy. And we see ourselves more as a, you know, a company that it's using strategies to operate. You know, it's not buying left and selling right. We use strategies. You've spent a lot of time analyzing the on mar- online art marketplace uh, for the past number of years. Oh, I love that. You know, I love analyzing. You know, I was a, a market analyst when I used to work for the, in the banking business. And uh, I do the same now in the art market. And it started in uh, 1999 when Artnet, uh, you know, made its IPO. It was for me, uh, this was for me the motivation to look, to look at the online market. I was very skeptical at that time. I was right, you know, in retrospective, I was right. And it changed, I changed my um, view on this only two, three years ago when I all of a sudden saw um, there are more and more people in there, younger collectors, uh, there are people ready to spend a couple of thousand online if you have a serious, uh, you have a serious uh, um, company offering material. Um, and yes, uh, what, what I like about this market is the lack of competition. And there's a lot of opportunities whenever there's a lack of competition. Um, so uh, that's why we decided you know, to put a lot of effort into this now. I think one of the reasons there's a lack of competition is just simply um, it's, it's uh, open territory and nobody knows what works. And we've seen a bunch of people try from Artnet on down to the recent spate of uh, uh, online art bi- businesses that have opened and continue to open. Um, and I don't think any have been so substantially successful that you could point to them and say, that's it, that's the fu- future. But I would also add, I, I, I do think there's a certain element in the last two to three years with the advent of mobile, where the, the, the barrier, the dividing line between what's online or internet based and what's you know in real life has broken down a fair bit so you know there's a lot of buying and selling that goes on that there is some sort of internet 
aspect, whether it's an email or a JPEG being uh, sent along or some other negotiation across uh, uh, the internet taking place. So it's hard to say what's an online sale and what's uh, uh, not. Exactly. You know, what I think, you know, from, from what we have seen is one big mistake, um, uh, you know, that many of these uh, new online ventures uh, are doing is that they believe the art market is, um, uh, they, they can uh, bring business model that was successful in other parts uh, uh, of the economy, bring it one for one into the art market. That doesn't work. The art market is not a market for the masses. It's not a mass market. Uh, there's a lot of money in the market, but not so many players. So if you have an, uh, if you have an online, uh, or just a platform, you are lacking the turnover. You are lacking the volume. If you're selling information, yes, people are ready to pay for information, but there are not enough people out there. So the, the money online in the art market can only be made... With product and be, and by being a principal, not a broker. That's what you're saying. Yeah. That the margin comes. Yeah, that's what I mean. So you need to own the product. You know, otherwise, uh, you know, the costs of an online business are not so low. You you need a quite you need to pay a couple of people, and you need quite some turnover. But you know, if you if if you're living from ten or twenty percent brokerage fee. Uh, you need a huge volume, uh, which you can't get at this moment, probably in five or 10 years. Um, so uh, that's why we, des we decided to go in the market with, with a different business. We are the only ones who are really principals and doing it on a large scale. We didn't take uh, investors' money, but finance the whole uh, operation on our own. So Veng Online, uh, VFR Online is a 100% subsidiary of Veng Fine Art. So, um, uh, you know, we, we, we try to learn the lessons, you know, uh, that others had to pay for um, and, and have a different approach. Um, so I'm curious about this because I, I, I think your analysis makes a great deal of sense and uh, really add some clarity to uh, some of the issues around uh, all of these various online operations, even to the clarity to the issue of what goes on between the auction houses and the big dealers. I mean, the struggle for, for Christie's and Sotheby's versus Zwerner, Hauser and & Wirth and all is that margin of being a broker versus being a principal uh, in, in uh, many of the transactions. But you're selling now in the end of the market where we can, again, at least here in the United States, uh, see more and more people becoming interested in participating in the art, in owning art. Not, yes, we, we see lots of conversation about the very high end, but we see museum attendance going through the roof. We People are going to galleries in huge numbers. There seems to be an enormous desire to be part of this. And one of the issues we haven't figured out, I mean, we have certain artists, Jeff Koons, Murakami, uh, Hearst, who produce a lot of material that can be sold at a much lower price point. You know, the, the usual example is the diffusion line from a fashion de designer and, and all. But you're in the print and editions business. That's always been the classic place that a an artist reached a larger number of people with lower priced objects. Don't, don't you think that there's a potential by getting in this market for the scale to eventually come? 
Exactly. You know, that's why we're in this. You know, we, we believe there's more potential in this market than in any other part of the art market. You know, we have seen, um, you know, the, 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 all the growth, uh, you know, for in the, in the contemporary market for the six, seven, eight figure artworks. You know, you can't really expect to see another 30, 40, 50 percent in growth. This looks to me almost impossible. So the, 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 the risk and potential ratio in the high end is very negative for now. But it's contrary in, 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 this, in this edition business because it's lagging behind because there was no, so far no market maker. There's no speculative interest. There are no investors in this market. There are no big players in this market. So it's open. The prices are fair. They're very reasonable. Um, and uh, we, we believe that's the right timing uh, for getting into this and work uh, in this market on a larger scale. Uh, will you use some of the um, uh, information market uh, uh, knowledge you develop from your sales to go to um, artists and their galleries to commission them to do uh, uh, more editions? I'm presuming if you're selling a, a particular artist very well, you'll want to go straight to the source and get more material. Of course, you know, we, we can use a lot of, you know, the contacts and the experience we've made over the past 20 years uh, for this business. You know, as I said, I call it as a spin-off. So it's not something entirely new what we're doing. It's just we want to structure it differently. We want to do it, you know, more, in a, more with more business sense. We want to do it more strategic. We want, to leverage, we want to leverage and we want to do it on a higher level than it has been seen so far. The market is completely fragmented, uh, you know, the edition market. Uh, they are only small, very small business with two, three, four people uh, in a company maximum. Uh, and yeah, it has, it has the advantage that there is a lot of potential. And in today's world, you know, uh, artists are much more open Traditions. It's not, you know, these small square sheets of paper anymore. The technology is so much developed. You get wonderful artworks with wall power. Artists are ready to do a large size. You know, you can, you can have today prints up to 10 feet large. And, you know, with striking colors. Um, so, uh, and the edition is not like 20 years ago, 100 or 200. Now artists uh, uh, prefer to do smaller editions, you know, 20, 30, 35, up to 50. So the potential them gaining in value is a lot higher than they ever be. You know, if you, if you spread out an edition of 30, 40, 50, uh, it's, if it's a good artist, it takes you two or three months, and then they are gone. And you have automatically gain in value. And to demonstrate this, uh, and to, to, to make it clear to, to, to the public, you know, we also um, buy this officially. We quote prices and, you know, these prices are guaranteed. You know, you click on our website and you sell to us and the deal is done. Of course, provided that the artwork is genuine and in, in good condition, but you have guaranteed prices on both ends. You know, one very negative uh, experience on the web is that uh, you don't find many priced artworks. You know, you have to, you have to ask, and I think it's about 70% of the cases 
um, this, the, the seller, the, the dealer will tell you, I'm really sorry, it just sold or just sold out. Probably was never there. Just a nice picture on the website to get people in. But that's a very frustrating experience. So we decided we don't want that. So all what we have online, you are, you, we guarantee availability and we guarantee the price. Of course, for just one piece, and then you know, for the next piece, we'll see what happens. But you know, and on the on our website, the, the targeted clientele are not the dealers; it's the consumer. So um, that's why I think it makes sense. And on both ends, if you want to sell or you want to buy, we guarantee availability. We guarantee that we buy them. We guarantee prices. So it's very transparent, very open, and uh, yeah, that's I think the maximum we can do on the web. And no, and I don't think there's any doubt that for the art market to serve a larger number of interested consumers, buyers, whether they become collectors or they're simply buyers is less relevant. It has to behave more as a retail um, business than it currently does. I, I think it's not just in the prints. At any end of the art market, You, no one knows what a price is. No one knows that the price quoted, how much of a discount would be possible. Everything is some form of a negotiation. And we see this all the time, especially uh, uh, when I speak to dealers, that to get anything sold, they have to demonstrate uh, a, an outside price because everyone's already o- aware that you know anything quoted could be um, negotiated. So you need to be able to get something hard and fast. So if you really want to move the kind of volume in in this end, you've got to make it clear to people. Plus, I think some of the big dealers have have expanded the art market by providing liquidity. You know, you know when you buy from a big dealership that they will buy that work back back from you, uh, uh, you know, and that they deal in the kind of art that can be resold. Not uh, with a lot of other dealers, you, you're forced to take their their emerging artists whose work may not be worth anything in, in three to five years to get at the ones that, you know, you really want. Uh, and I think, again, that's not a, a great retail strategy for consumers uh, if they're being told that they have to jump through hoops before they can get to the things that they want to actually uh, acquire. You know, we, we, we believe, on, especially me, I believe very much in transparency uh, and not in secrecy. I think secrecy is something from the past. Um, it, you know, the way the art market behaved, you know, in the past, uh, it cannot continue like this in the future. So, but it, I decided not just to talk about, you know, being transparent, we will demonstrate it on our website. Um, and I believe this is the future because what is lacking uh, in this market is trust. Otherwise, a lot more would come into that market because, you know, you have a wonderful, a beautiful product which gives you, you know, fun, prestige. Um, you can make money with it. You can learn from it. It's a wonderful thing, you know, to collect artworks, to buy artworks, even to invest in artwork. But many stay away from it because they are lacking you know, they, they, they don't believe, they, 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 they feel it's kind of fishy. And, you know, we are, as far as it's not so difficult to be transparent, you know, Wenk Fine Art is a stock-quoted company on the Frankfurt Stock Exchange. So we, anyway, you know, we have to publish our figures, we have to publish our business model and whatever. So, you know, it's in our genes to be transparent. That brings me to my other question. You're you're in uh, Krefeld, Germany, uh, uh, Wangfarder. You're listed in the Frankfurt Exchange. 
the online subsidiary is uh, domiciled in Switzerland, but the editions business is being uh, housed in London? No, uh, we, we um, you know, first we are really international company. I'm based, you know, I'm BS based in a small town near Düsseldorf uh, in, in the center of the German art market. Um, but, you know, in Bank Fine Art, we sell 75, 8%, 80% to foreign countries, mainly New York, London, Paris. So uh, the, um, we're now moving out of uh, Germany step by step because um, the environment uh, is not as positive as in other countries in Europe. Um, London, we choose for launching our website because that's the center of the European art market. And the global art market, really. I mean, New York is bigger, but the London seems to have a more global reach just because of yeah. the non-domiciled uh, residents. It's the entry for the market in Asia, in the Middle East, in Russia, in Europe, and in, into the United States. So that's a place to be. And we see our future more in the Anglo-American world than in the continental European world. So we have the feeling... Is that because of collecting taste? Do you think that there's more demand or more people are buying art in the Anglo-American and Asian and Gulf states Russia than in, uh, on the continent? Or is it just the a business environment? I think, you know, it's both. But, you know, people, I have the feeling... Uh, that in the there's more hunger for art in, in, in the American, American world. They are more passionate, they are more aggressive. And don't forget, there is more money um, in, in these countries. Um, and, you know, uh, traditionally on the European continent, especially in France and Germany, um, this was art was something for, for the high educated people, but not necessarily wealthy people. Uh, today, we still have a lot of highly educated people, but if you're highly educated in Germany and uh, in France, it doesn't mean that you make a good amount of money. So, and the prices are on a different level today. So, uh, you know, even with Wink Fine Art in our traditional business, we sold the, in, in, in recent years the vast majority of the material outside Germany. And then, of course, you know, there, there is a more friendly business environment in the Anglo-American world. There is a different atmosphere for that and something that suits what we're doing better. That sounds fantastic. Um, I think we're going to leave it there. Thank you for your time. This has really been illuminating. Yeah, thank you very much, Marin, for having me. Thank you for listening to the Artelligence Podcast. Visit us at artmarketmonitor.com 